Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for July 13th of 2014. I am Ryan Wilson. Oh, I'm Cameron Walsh. And we have hockey news to talk about. There was actually a few decent storylines over the past uh, week or so. Um, holiday weekend kind of was a little bit boring, I'd say, for hockey information. But... Um, We've got the news of Sidney Crosby playing through an injury, which was not um, officially the case. Um, that injury news is recent. Um, both Crosby and Penguins had not made any mention of injury up until this past week. You have Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane getting their well-deserved raises. And then you got the Avs and Ryan O'Reilly, which seems to be a story every year. So that's pretty much what we have for this week. Would you uh, say we start think, with Sid? I think so. I think that's not a bad idea. When do you think he got injured? That's probably the, the biggest thing. You know, was it before? You tried to look at it statistically to try and see when it sort of went wrong for him in a sense. So clarify a little bit for us um yeah it i couldn't i can't say confidently for sure which game it was but i I am pretty confident it was uh the beginning of april um believe march 30th the penguins played the chicago blackhawks had scored two goals um one was an empty net or whatever but the his goal that he did score was coming down the left wing one of those snipe snipe jobs over the goalie's left shoulder under the bar and he he ripped it there was no limitations for that and that was the last time he would score in a game until uh, game three or four against the new york rangers in the playoffs so um that was a stretch of close to 14 15 games without a goal and that, that goal against the rangers can you remember what sort of goal it was it wasn't a snipe or anything like that was it um it was Similar in the sense he was coming down the left wing, but it was a five-hole shot that was more sneaky than powerful. Yep, so no elevation on the shot. Nope, it just um, caught Lundqvist sleeping on that one, I guess. It's a rare but event. The, the things that make me believe that the injury impacted his play was all of his stats dropped besides possession. He was still a great possession player. In fact, he was the top possession player in the NHL playoffs this year with that hurt wrist but having the puck and keeping it from the other team isn't the same as doing something with it dynamically um, high-end skill he is clearly limited in his ability to pass and shoot because there were times when he'd make passes where you'd shake your head like I've never seen him turn the puck over on a pass like that ever but we didn't have the information we do now. It's it's funny when this information comes out, and it's well after the season. We're, what, six weeks, seven weeks after the season's ended? Well, and the Penguin season ended earlier than that. And you sit there and look at it, and they've, you know, the story was he's trying to rehab it minus the surgery, which if you can do that, always do that as a preference if you can avoid surgery. Um, 
and everyone gets there and you've got the Penguins, play, Penguins players, you've got the Penguins fans defending him and saying that's fine. And then you've got basically the fans of all the other teams that get sick of the overload of Sidney Crosby with the league. And you can't blame them for feeling that way. Just ripping into him, saying, oh, it's just an excuse for playing Paul and all that stuff. The news didn't come from him. The news didn't come from his team. You sort of sit there with it and, and, and think to yourself, it doesn't matter what he does, he, he can't win. So I don't blame them for trying to keep this under wraps. I'd be concerned if I was, you know, Crosby and a, a part of his little posse that he's got, who the hell spilled the beans, whether it was from the Penguins or, or whether it was someone close to him that, that let it out. Yeah, that's certainly... Uh, I know he's not happy the news got out for this reason. He, he doesn't want excuses. If he d- No, he, he made it very clear through the playoffs. I don't have any excuse. I'm, I'm not playing as well as I'd like. I, I'm healthy. I, I'm just... I've got to be better. And that's fine and all, but he wasn't healthy. It did impact his play. It's not an excuse. It, it's a reason. Yeah. Because um, well, these numbers... Um, I broke it up on one of my blogs on Hockey Buzz. I, I took his stats prior to that counting that March 30th um, Chicago Blackhawks game where he scored his last two goals of the regular season. And then the stats after that game, which um, should cover the timeline where he was he got hurt. And his shooting percentage was 14.5%. It dropped all the way to 2% for the last chunk of the year. Um, he was scoring 0.48 goals per game. That dropped to 0.05. Um, his points per game was 1.32, which is awesome, obviously. And it dropped to 0.77, which a lot of people in the NHL would love to be a 0.77 point per game player, but that's just not, you know, that's not Crosby's ceiling. I know it's not his ceiling, and you get there, and this is where I have the argument with players playing through injuries at times. He's an $8.7 million cap. He's the most important player on that Penguins team. For that, what's that? That's 0.6 of a drop-off in regards to point production. The Penguins couldn't afford for him to fall off. I'm assuming at some point when the injury occurred, they looked at the pros and cons of having him sit, in regards to whether it would rehab quick enough for him to get better and, and not. And you just sit there with it and go, it's the it's the cost-benefit analysis of playing with an injury. And it caused him, you know, a massive drop-off in, in production in regards to output that a team that was... Um, deep. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, thank you. That's what I was going to say. For a team that was already thin on the ability to produce, having him unhealthy made it even worse so it's it's hard it's hard for me in that situation when I look at the injuries and stuff it's one of the reasons why I don't like players playing through injuries when it um you know we say obviously now because we know he was injured but obviously really affected his ability to produce so it's it's frustrating for me in that sense if he doesn't have to have surgery and they've been trying to avoid it maybe they should have sat him for the last 10 games of the year or, or whatever to try and get the thing. Regular a season bit. you're talking? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, fine with you that. Can't, that's the thing. You're sitting for the end of the regular season, you know, oh, we're just trying to make sure he's fresh. They were always going to make the playoffs. They weren't really going to change where they were in the division, 
you know. So you, you sit there and go, well, they should have just backed him off. I know he wants to play every game, and I do understand that. But as a coaching staff and a medical staff, you've got to get there and make him understand that if you try to play with this injury, you're not going to perform as well. If we can get you know two weeks of rehab into your wrist, things aren't going to be as bad. And that's where a team has to stand up to a player like Crosby at times. And I don't. And this happens all the way through the league. There are times where I think um, certain players sort of rough rail the the medical staff in, in certain situations, and I don't think it's good. The the funny thing with all his numbers dropping, his um, possession actually went from fifty two point four percent to sixty one point seven percent. He actually got. Uh, close to 10% better in that department. Well, he knew he had to contribute in a different way. Yeah. You know, like, like you've said, he, he was basically using a shutdown role. So the coaching staff knew he was injured and they changed the way they used him to get as much out of the skill level that he's got. And that was the reality of the situation. They lost a, the one dynamic forward they couldn't afford to lose and they turned him into an extremely good shutdown centre. But that's... You know, besides the fact the Rangers did outplay the Penguins in the last three games, you know, one of the obvious reasons why Pittsburgh couldn't compete w- w- with how well the Rangers played. I don't know. I thought Penguins kicked their ass game seven, to be honest. But Henrik Lundqvist was just terrific. They had the puck that whole game. Um, yes, but you don't have your most dynamic offensive player <laughs> being able to do anything. It, it certainly helps uh, Lundqvist's cause, but oh yeah, yeah it for is, sure. It, yeah, it is what it is in regards to that that aspect. But it, it's it's one of those situations where it'll be interesting to see. Crosby almost always improves on one aspect of his game every off season. Maybe this off season he just needs to make sure the thing that he improves is that he's 100 percent healthy going into game one in October. Yeah, he's he hasn't had good luck. Obviously, with the health, um, I can't. I think, oh gosh, twenty ten might be the last year he entered the playoffs healthy. Yeah, and they ran into an extremely hot goaltender then. That that two thousand and ten team feels to me like that was that was their best team to have another crack at the cup. Every team after that, so 11, 12, 13, and fourteen. There's been an issue with that Penguins roster the, the whole way through. It's it's one of those things where, you know, the caps go with that and then injuries inside the caps happen with that. That's why the the, the Kane and the Tave signing is going to be really interesting, you know, once their extension kicks in, in regards to how, how they manage injuries when they occur. It's not so much when the team's healthy. It's when things go awry with the health of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when it starts to become a problem. Yeah, and um, with that said, we can certainly discuss those uh, two players' very large extensions. Deserved extensions, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That is fair value for them. That is how things work now. You have to pay your top-end players, and you are not able to hide the cap hits like you were before. So um, even Sid's on a a little bit of a cheater deal with the extended years on his contract. 
Yeah, he's got true. some lower priced years towards the end. You just can't do that anymore. So you're going to start to see. You saw it with um, Getzlaff and Perry, both making uh, what in that eight point two five range or so million a year. Yeah. Um, Phil Kessel, eight million dollar a year player now. That feels high for Kessel. No, he's good. No, no, I know. It, it just it feels high when you look at you know some of the other players that are getting contracts like that. But you know, in three years' time, it'll be valued purely yeah. because the cap is going up. But will will this? The point of this is obviously to try and keep costs down for the owners, but also to try and create parity. Will this create parity with Chicago? Most likely having to lose Patrick Sharp next year. Mm. Will this will this help? other teams get closer to Chicago or will it bring Chicago back closer to the rest of the field? It's well, for starters, it's not going to do anything right now. Um, I think not everybody understands that this is not kicking in this year. No, this year they're fine. Um, moving forward. Yeah. When you, when you pay out that kind of raise, um, of course, it's gonna lessen the the amount of money that you have to, you know, by round out your depth. That's gonna take a hit. Where the Chicago Blackhawks will do all right is, I think they do a wonderful job of filling out their depth with guys that can actually play. And Pittsburgh, they didn't do a good job with that. They got really bad players on. You know, for their lower money guys, and yeah. I have more confidence in um, the, the Blackhawks regime to do a better job in that area. To be quite honest with you, plus you're going to have the cap continue to rise. Yeah, I think that's something that because the Canadian TV deal kicks in next year as well, doesn't it? So the cap would have to go up from that. Sixty-nine million right now, if I'm correct. Yeah, which was less than I expected. And there's already talks of the Canadian TV deal pushing that up to $75 million next year. So so immediately you get there and go, some of those concerns with that Blackhawks team can melt away a little bit. Yeah, they're going to have to sign Saad and, and a couple of their back end to, to deals that are obviously more than they're currently on. But if you get there and you add $6 million to the cap, it certainly becomes doable, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And... You know, there's going to be guys like Johnny Oduya and Nick Letty. Um, they'll probably move on from Oduya, 3.3 million. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. So, and you know, not for nothing, they're a team that has got a great roster, so they can take advantage of uh, a guy like Brad Richards coming in for a two million dollar cap hit kind of deal yes that, that was quite good signing so they're still an attractive team some sometimes they may get players to come and play a little bit cheaper than they otherwise normally would yeah um so i don't paint this doom and gloom picture for the blackhawks i think they're going to continue to be a great team for a long time uh, i think it's a lot of the concern about the money's overblown. So, 
and that's the, the beautiful thing about having Taves and Kane signed for the next eight years, well, nine if you include this year, is um, they're going to be great for that long. I mean, that's the, the reality of the situation. It's like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh might go up and down in regards to their ability to compete for the Stanley Cup, but whilst they've got Malkin and Crosby, they're going to compete every year to at least get into the playoffs. And, and that's the brilliant thing for Chicago is that they're locked up, I'd, I'd say, for the next, you know, nine years to, to make the playoffs every year. So the organisation itself will make back so much money on that, you know, $23 million investment or however much it is if you do the math properly on, on those contracts. It's like, well, fine. Yeah. And it's just, you can't fall in love with the average players on your team and, and start to pay that tier of your roster too much money. You pay your star players the money. Those are the guys you can't find. Correct? Yeah, yeah you've got to you've pay, got to pay Yeah, of Figure the rest out. Don't fall in love with Brandon Sutter types and pay him close to $4 million. Now, mind you, his contract situation still up in the air. I'm just throwing out random numbers, but you know what I mean? Find cheaper value guys that do the same. Don't pay the premium for average. And that, I suppose, that's what's going to separate the, the good jet well the great GMs from the good GMs to the bad GMs is, is working out how they calculate out what an average player is to what a good player is and then working out what brackets they're willing to pay in millions and what um, term they're willing to pay that before there's a drop-off in production so they can then replace those players with the exact same thing on the, the exact same size contract. So it'll be interesting to see which teams master that and which teams don't and, and whether it, it's reflected in regards to um, the ability to compete for the Stanley Cup or, or, and the ability to just make the playoffs. And here's, here's really where the whole analytics comes into play. Getting value. Um, maybe, you know, you, you're surfing through on uh, extraskater.com and you come across a player that his numbers stick off stick out on the page that you you may not have normally looked at and you're like wow all right let's see why his, his numbers are this way cuz it's not enough to just look at one thing but then you can start to look into that player more and and figure out the hows and whys and that to me is the process of you know getting those steel values that are out there but you got to with those numbers, do you do you look at the overall number, or do you get there and go? You use a particular team, and they go, "We've got a glaring hole in this part of our roster." Do you get there and try to look towards um, a particular skill set that those types of players will fill for you? Like some teams need a right-handed shot, so you'd obviously just you know, on the back end. So you'd obviously try to check to see what their Corsi numbers are, and then obviously you'd have to go into deeper detail to see if it's them on their own or whether it's the the partner of that player that obviously makes their, their coursey better. So Absolutely, um, yeah. there's there's a lot of it's not just looking up a couple of numbers. You, you, there's a lot of analysis of collecting the numbers. Someone's done the beautiful work of creating these these numbers, but you've got to use them as your own data set to then work out more in regards to that particular player. Yeah, usually 
I'll, it doesn't matter what particular stat I'm looking at, but if something jumps out to me, some of the first things I do, say a guy's possession jumps out at me, like, wow, I didn't realize this, this guy was um, doing this well, or the flip side, doing this poorly. I would have thought this player would be a lot better. First thing I do at that point in time, I jump, I start to look at the player usage charts. Those are great to understand how that player is being used. How hard is the competition he's playing against? Is he starting in his offensive zone or, or in the offensive zone or in his own defensive zone most of the time? That's going to have an impact on things. Then you look at the quality of teammates he's been playing with. Um, everything goes into it, but it's just nice to have like a, a starting point. Well, actually, okay. So if, if we look at that in regards to who they play with, who they don't play with, Brandon Sartre. He's going to have to come up for his new contract, I think, next year. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he plays up on that top line. Mm-hmm. He Would he be a really good example for you in regards to you can't overpay for medium-level talent? No, I don't think he's... I think he's very good. You think he's higher up? So he's, he'd be a player you'd happy to pay in a slightly higher bracket than average, obviously. I would work my best to have a little bit of a bridge deal in there, but... Um... That's starting to become harder and harder to get that bridge deal. Yes, correct. But um, no, he's he's obviously one of the skilled guys. Sure, his numbers are helped by playing with um, the talent he's with, but he's not an anchor on those. Like he's pulling his own weight. He's not. Yeah, no, I wasn't trying to suggest that he was an anchor. It's just one of those things where I don't think his numbers would be quite as good if he wasn't playing with who he was. So if you're right. a, a team going to put an offer sheet into the kid, it feels as though there are times where people don't take that into account where he's going to be away from those guys. His numbers probably aren't going to be as good. Yes, that certainly is a risk that you'd have to analyze and look into. Um, but but he's just one example of what you can do with the numbers. And, and let's all be honest with each other here. Not everybody watches every hockey game and every hockey player you can't do it it's not physically doable and that includes upper management of these hockey teams so using the analytics and the numbers to comb through the entire league that's feasible and and like i said before that is where you can find the anomalies that stick out and then you can put your resources into actually watching game film having your scouts go to watch and play live. The, the analytics can just be the starting point. to to. They can push you into the better directions to use your resources on. The, the other thing that I just sort of thought of then, it would also cut down on costs in regards to the hockey, hockey operations. If you're not having to send everyone out to everyone to see everyone, then surely you can get your costs down. Like you get there and some of these teams that are, that are obviously concerned about um, costs, surely that would help. Yeah, well, the Sabres, for a while there, during the Tom Galasano era, did not have any scouts at all. It was all video. Oh, great. No, it wasn't great. They didn't do a very good job. <laughs> that makes a fair bit of sense at that stage. But, yeah, I think the Blackhawks will do all of these things and do them quite well. And for the people that think that these contracts are going to hurt them, uh, you're, I've got some bad news for you. 
actually, what, one thing I do want to go over with Taves and Kane, I think some of the money they've got into this contract is purely in the fact that they turn up when it matters. Because if you have a look at some of their, their numbers, they're not, I don't think their numbers are top notch. I think what they've got in regards to probably an extra two million on their contract is the fact that they've got that ability to do stuff that other players can't in regards to putting a team on their back and carrying them. Yeah, terrific hockey players. They are. So you can't you can't get there in base contracts purely on their numbers, whether it's points and assists or Corsi or all of those sorts of things. There are intangibles that go into these sorts of things, and and we're certainly not people that um, disc, you know um, don't include those things and that sort of stuff for the top end players you have to add those sorts of things. You don't get that with some of those lower-end players where the numbers basically should dictate the contracts, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Well, divisional rival, I think, still, aren't they? Colorado, contract problems? Yeah. Yes, they are still divisional rival. Yeah, division champion Colorado Avalanche oh, from God, last year, should, if you should have believe that. Um Brian O'Reilly, they just always seem to have turmoil with his contracts. Why? Why? I don't get why. He wants to be paid. They didn't really want to pay him what he was making, so I don't know. I don't they understand it. They obviously value him, otherwise they'd have let someone sign into the office sheet and let him walk and taken the compensation. So it's the, the bit that I just I don't understand with it. I think he's really a terrific hockey player, and they should pay him such. You know, pay him. I'd go as high as six and a half, seven million for him, to be honest with you. What's the you're, alternative? You're basing that off the analytical stats more so than the point production, though, aren't you? Yeah, there's yep. his advanced stats are really good. He's one of the finer players. He plays. Tough competition, drives possession towards the other team's goal. Um, he's able to take on those defensive responsibilities without um, taking penalties. He only had one penalty last year. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> so he's he's doing these things well. Like, he's not to only have one penalty that means you're not getting beat that often and sticking your hand in the cookie jar for those hooks that get called yeah. that means you got great position most times um so you're never really caught to try and cheat so yeah. i think that speaks really highly for him and if i can pull up his numbers i think his offensive numbers were decent this year to be honest i'll just have to I, I just don't know were, 64 don't, points, 28 goals. Yeah. That's and really he good. Wants, he wants how much? I would assume in that 6.57 million range. So I reckon that's okay for, for that for that point output and almost 30 goals. I suppose if you've got two more goals, then you know it seems as though for contracts, people seem to use that as a you've got that many goals. There's certainly a range that they have to pay, but. Like you said, all the other stuff that he he brings um, 
in the advanced stats uh, section, you'd make it. You'd think that he's worth what he's asking for. I mean, he played wing this year, but he's he's a center by trade, if I'm correct. Okay, that makes it even more. So he's he's flexible into what yeah. you can do with him. Um, yep. Here's here's the real problem that well, it's the Avalanche just. I think they think they're better than they are, and I don't think you'll be seeing a uh, repeat performance of winning the division again next year. They got by on a Vesna Trophy, Semyon Varlamov playing out of his mind all year. Their PDO was amongst the tops in the league. That's the luck stat that we've Thank talked you. about before. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, that means they had high shooting percentage and high save, on ice save percentage, so um, they were they were one of the worst possession teams in the league, 28th percent. Or, I'm sorry, 28th out of 30. They were like, they just weren't, they weren't as good as their record, which is why they did not make it out of the first round. And oh, I... if you get rid of Ryan O'Reilly in the trade, you've already lost Paul Stastny. Yeah. You traded away P.A. Parento for Danny Breer. I don't know why. <laughs> that trade made no sense to me at all from a Colorado standpoint. Um, Stasny and Parento were their top two possession players amongst forwards on a bad possession team. In comes Jerome McGinley and Danny Breer. They got older. I don't think they necessarily got better. They get slower? Yeah. Yeah, great. I don't think Aginla's a good fit out there. Those young kids, Duchesne and, and Mc, Nate McKinnon, even O'Reilly. That, Landis Cog. He's not going to keep up with them. And chances are, you know, he's he's not young. They're on a, they got him on a three-year contract that's, you know, significant money. It's just, they're a team that going to fall off, I think. I I don't know if Balaramov will taper off as much as his statistics would suggest. Like he, You could almost say that the numbers he's had will be his career numbers. He'll have a career year and he won't be any better than that. But I don't think we'll see a big drop-off. I like Bali. I think he's a great goalie. Um, and I, I think he might be their saving grace yet again. Yeah, but he, like said, he may play well again. And let's, let's assume he does Let's assume he has another top five goaltender season, yep. just for the sake of argument. That's great, but what the Avs aren't going to have is that insane shooting percentage that they had last year, and there's certainly no better, at least, you know, looking at their roster on paper, that they haven't done anything to correct that possession problem that they had. They lost their top two guys, as I said, from the forwards, and they replaced them with two older guys in Briere and Aginla. That's it. Doesn't it doesn't bode well? I, I get what you're saying. I understand there. Their bottom six forwards aren't really all that great, and their defense core is real bland. Uh, Tyson Berry's pretty good. Um, he's the guy that Matt Cook uh, need, and he missed the. 
rest of the games of the playoffs. Oh, that killed them. But they don't... There's... Uh, I don't know. They got some really, really exciting players. And those guys will do well, but I don't think they have enough help. What what would you what would you specifically if you could add one player to their back six, what specifically would you want to add? They should have given an out. They should have been a, more aggressive with uh, Niskanen, probably. Yep. I mean, yes, you're gonna have to overpay, but they have tons of cap space to do something like that, and you know. I don't think Niskanen's a top-pairing guy, but he's certainly competent in the puck-moving department. He's shown that he can do so with highly skilled players. Um, I just think a guy like that would would have been an ideal target for them. You want the puck out of the zone a lot quicker. Yeah, so I don't know. It's going to be tough for them. Um, I think um, they'll be one of those teams where people are like, wow, I can't believe how poor they're doing. And it, it really won't be all that surprising to me. Well, they are in a you know, pretty tough division as well. That's the so, other thing, too. I mean, and furthermore, St. Louis took yeah. one of their guys for free. Yeah, I mean, obviously, paying them decent amount of coin, seven million per year, but Stasny, the abs don't get nothing for that. Yeah, I got no assets back. Uh, and I don't blame Stasny. He sees McKinnon deservingly getting top six center minutes. Um, kind of pushing him off a little bit. So, man. I just don't see how you don't lock... <clears throat> Ryan O'Reilly up and just pay him and have that great player that helps in the areas you're weak at. At least that's my opinion. No, it makes makes pretty good sense. Uh, Well, speaking of someone that did get locked up, though, Dubinsky. Mm -hmm. I think they've done all right there. The term might be a little long, but... You know, the no-trade clause relaxes further back in the deal. So I actually think that that doesn't work too bad for um, for Columbus because they don't get totally shut out in regards to who they can and can't trade into later on. Mm-hmm. I like him as a player. He's, he's decent. Yeah. He's, um, I mean, he's never going to put up crazy offense. He's only got two seasons where he's hit 50 points. One of them was this past season. Um, he has scored 24 goals once, but that was 2010-11 uh, with the Rangers. He's, you know, not quite come near that. 16 this year was the most he's had since then. So, yeah. But he's so, yeah. tenacious. He's he's a good player. Actually, Todd Cordell has done a really good breakdown of where he sort of sits in amongst um, his contract. So jump on to Hockey Bars and have a look at, at Todd's um, Todd's breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, hop on there every day. He does great work. He covers the Devils and the Blue Jackets. Um, so 
Yeah, we'll plug Ted. Why not? <laughs> no. Well, can you think of anything else off the top of your head? Just that I hope the thing with Dubinsky, he, where he got most of uh, his credit, so to speak, was in the playoff series with the Penguins. Ah, uh, yes, good point. Yeah, how he shut down Crosby, but I think that is totally not what happened. I think Crosby actually dominated that matchup, and for reasons stated earlier in this podcast, um, he, his injury kept him from cashing in on all that possession time. Because I think uh, I think Dubinsky's like a it's like thirty six percent possession in that Penguin series. It's not good at all. So he should be thanking the fact that the information about Crosby didn't come out before he signed the contract. <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, don't get me wrong. His larger sample size, he's a very good player. Um, yeah, he does a good job. But I just I was never a fan of Brandon Dubinsky shut down Sidney Crosby. I, I couldn't disagree with that anymore. I think, uh, I think he's a little bit lucky that Sid didn't you know, generate more tangible offense from all the zone time he had in that series. Yeah, I get what you mean. But, you know, not for nothing. Sid pretty much crushes everybody possession-wise, so it's not really too too much of a slight on, on Brandon Dubinsky, to be quite honest. No, that's fair. So. Um, I don't think we've got much else to cover off do we i just got one thing yep yep go germany no i still haven't even seen that that happens at like one o'clock or three a.m in the morning for me i'm like i'm not getting up to watch this game no i don't blame you um it was a good it was a good final it wasn't high scoring obviously but there was uh there are enough scoring chances to make it interesting i'm not i'm not a huge soccer guy but i really enjoyed the the tournament thought it was really good no yeah, i enjoyed i enjoyed it as well it was it was good fun to sit there and watch highlights and and to watch some of the games you know two or three days later when i'd forgotten who'd actually won so you're sort of watching it not knowing and, and so that it was good it was definitely good soccer yeah i think this world cup actually uh the the goal pace was high higher than it's ever been maybe don't quote I me thought- on that but the they were saying there's a lot of scoring, which is great. I'm I'm a casual observer, um, willing to watch a little bit more. So hopefully, uh, I think the Champions League or whatever coming up, maybe I'll start to learn a little bit more about it. Just be something extra to keep track of, I guess. But um, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. It's like, have I got enough time in the day to to add another sport into the? I don't know how you can. I mean, you're right every second day, so. I don't know how you're going to squeeze in another another sport. Uh, if they play in the summer, that's when I'll have oh, the time to do it. But otherwise, yeah, no. But I'm uh, I'm German, so I like to see that. I think the best team did win. Uh, they were pretty kick-ass all tournament. So yeah, you can't hear sort of hear an argument about that. That does sound about right. Well, yeah. There's there's my World Cup slash soccer expertise. <laughs> Not much to be had there, but I uh, 
it was enjoyable. So there's that. It was. Um, all right, guys. We um, it's going to get slow pretty soon in regards to hockey news. So if you want to flick us some questions our way, we've got Ryan at at Gunner Stall, and we've got me at Walshy sixty six. Or the Hockey Hurts Twitter handle, which is hockey underscore hurts. So flick some questions that way if you want us to, to have a look at it. And, and they can be about specific teams in regards to anything in those those lines or injuries and stuff that players are, are um, trying to overcome. Um, or we've got the hashtag HHask. Just basically give us some stuff to talk about. It would be good to have some interaction with you guys as well. Um, it would be interesting to see if anyone's actually listening. But um, from having to increase the bandwidth, I'm assuming some people are. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, I've redesigned the suspension system that I did. I've added in some more variables. So there's an article up on, on Hockey Hertz at the moment um, covering off on that. Um, bit of feedback on that because obviously it's not locked in stone. So it would be good to, to get some ideas from people in regards to new variables to, to add in to see if there's any any way we can um, narrow down what we've got um, just to try and and get a little bit more accurate, I suppose, would be a nice way to do it. Um, yeah, but you know what? I'm going to jump in and say something about, I think the the system you've set up, obviously you've already just admitted it, it's not perfect, but I'm going to tell you right now, it is something of this nature that you've created is something that the NHL should be seriously considering something that is just totally objective, not subjective. He was hitting the head. The puck was gone. It was this many seconds. Boom. Here's the suspension. It's got nothing to do with injury. It should never have anything to do with injury. It should have to do with the action. The same hit that could knock a guy out for 40 games with a concussion. Um, even if they get, it doesn't matter. That same hit might not injure um, that player that particular time. But, but it doesn't mean that it's any less any less terrible. Correct. So yeah. he should get the same suspension, whether the guy's KO'd or whether he gets up and skates away, because there's no deterrent there. I can tell you as a player, if I knew I could lay down just a ferocious check, and if the guy gets up, I probably won't get in trouble for it. I, I'm taking that chance. But if I know if I make that hit, whether it gets up or not, I'm going to get the book thrown at me anyways. Well, there you go. There's your real deterrent. And that that's one of the things that I, I sort of, I tried to, I tried to add into it this time around. Um, I, I did find it difficult though, because I used, I, I put in the word hit intent. And that one to me is really subjective because I've got, were they trying to separate the player from the puck? Were they trying to hurt the player, which I think is I think is okay? Were they trying to injure the player, or were they trying to absolutely destroy the player? Which I use the term predatory. So what I mean by hurt someone, this is a physical sport. You do go out there to hurt people, but if you go out there to hurt someone and you're trying to hurt them in the head with your elbow, that's a suspensable a suspendable offence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I don't, I do not want to take hitting out of the game by any stretch of the imagination. One of the reasons that we all enjoy hockey is the fact that it's so physical, and the fact that it's, you know, it's a hard contest. I mean, you can get there and um, you could shoulder check a guy in the chest, knock him out, keep your skates on the ice, 
it's a clean hit. That's not your fault you've knocked him out. Because because his brains rattled around in his skull on the hit, that's not the that's not the hitter's fault. And, and that's the thing. I don't want those hits out of the game. You're going to get concussions in this sport because it's so physical. If the puck's in the guy's feet and he's paying more attention to the puck than what's going on around him, and the person comes in and hits him, hits him clean, hits him in the shoulder, hits him up against the boards, everything's clean. His skates are on the ice. Actually, that's a variable I probably need to put in. Um, that, that's not the person that's, that's done the hit. That's not his fault. That's the player that got hit. That's their fault. And you can't, you know, if someone hits their head on the ice after they've been, they've been hit clean, that's not, the, that's not the player that hit him. It's not his fault. So I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to take that sort of stuff out of the game. You can't. There are going to be, there are going to be concussion injuries in this sport unless they can find a way to, to change the helmets, um, the collision against the ice or head against the boards, you're not going to get rid of, of those concussions. But you can't avoid a concussion in a contact sport where the neck snaps, the head moves really quickly and the brain rattles against the skull. That's the reality of the situation. What I want to try and do with this is show that if a person does this particular play, that can be taken out of the game and we can lessen those. We can take the concussions out to the ones that are unavoidable. And that's probably the best we're going to do. Well said. I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's something that we've done, or Cameron's done on the site for, what, almost two years now, right? Yeah, it's been a while. When I redid the site, I lost most of my archives. So I probably need to put them back up. But... I, I think the new system's better in regards to puts more variables in. Because well, what I didn't have covered off was things like um, using your hip to take out someone's knee or using your hip to whack someone in the head when they're trying to get off the ground, mm-hmm. off the ice and stuff or like that. Or using your so, knee and kneeing Marchand in the head. Correct, exactly. It's exactly stuff like that. Like the, That's the things that, that I was missing. What I haven't got in this system, I just realized, like I said, was... Um, jumping off the ice so skates off the ice maybe i should change the word predatory to skates off the no, ice. no i like maybe. predatory yeah and you know what i mean with, with that i think everybody sort of understands that as well so the idea is to just put more variables in and i mean you the way it's set up if, if this is your fourth suspension um you're out for the year basically you're it's 60 games or something like that if you end up with a fourth um it's it's really really high so um I've basically done it in that there's a maximum amount you can actually have for the year, and that's 82 games. And so whatever your points total is, that's just a division of the, the total, and that's how many games you miss. So there's not really a bracket anymore like I used to have. Um, I've just done it in regards to whatever your points are is a percentage of what the 82 games points are, and that's why you get suspended for whatever value you've got. Yeah, and... Go to hockeyhurts.com. Look at it. To, you know, see what what the system's all about, and give us your feedback on it because um, yeah. I think it's better than the status quo of what the NHL actually does now. Um, we don't tolerate the headshots. Um, yeah, we got pretty stiff suspensions on that. So what kind of, what's currently going on now isn't isn't a deterrent. Obviously, the players think, oh, you know. No, I've told you what I would do. I would keep hitting people and just taking the chance that they get back up. Yeah. And then the one occasion that they don't, uh, I'll take my 
one game, two game suspension, whatever. Yep. So. Yep. I, I, there's no reason to. There's no reason not to treat it like that. Well, that that does it for me. You. Yeah, that was my rant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. You can find my written work at hockeybuzz.com. That's mostly Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, you can find, well, I don't have a recent article at hockeyhurts.com, but you certainly can can go through the archive. There should be some articles there that are still relevant, even as time moves on. And some of my other work is at hockeyprospectus.com. So that's where you can find me. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. I enjoy the interaction on there. So until next week, we'll see you then. Catch you, guys.